Chapel Roswell. I'm so glad to be with you today. I'm Kristen Hyden, one of the pastors here. And this morning, we are looking to the second half of our final Rose message series. As we're diving into what things look like in dating and sex and marriage. Last week, we kicked off this series by looking at that great love poem found in Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. And we talked about what it means to be looking for love. Where do we look for love? Do we know what it is when we have found it? How do we even begin to define love? And as we looked to this great love poem of these two individuals so deeply in love, we learned a few things about love. We learned that love is passionate and that love is patient. That exploring one another's hearts is just as important and just as rewarding as exploring one another's bodies. We learned that, that love takes work. That each individual in the relationship must seek out to support and to encourage the other. We learned that love, true love, is found in mutual love. When each person can serve the other, build one another up so that the individual becomes the best they can be and then support each other as a couple. It is a love that we are free to express because God first showed us this redeeming love with Christ on the cross. There are no boundaries to this love, no walls to be built up no rules to follow, but we are free to love as God has loved us. And so this kind of love, this, this holy and divine love, we are called to embrace it and to embody it in every one of our relationships, not just with our spouse or with our significant other, but with our friends and with our coworkers and even in our interactions with strangers. Because as we said last week, God cares a lot more about how we love than restricting who we love. And so as we transition into this week, we're making a shift from those first understandings of how to love and, and what it means to be looking for love and now dive in to how we might maintain those loving relationships and what it means to live happily ever after. Now, as a mother of two young children, I spend a lot of time watching and playing princess. Right? From Snow White to Cinderella, from Ariel to Belle, one of the favorites in our house. I can tell you every detail of the story, right? And I really don't mind it. I mean, the movies are fun, the songs are great, right? And it always ends with a happily ever after. And this trend, it doesn't stop as we grow up, as we saw in that first poll. We all love a good romantic comedy, or most of us. There are a few of you that responded E on that one. Right, we all want to see this happily ever after. 
Now, in some ways, this is God's desire for us as well. We read in John's gospel, in John chapter 10, verse 10, as Jesus is telling us about who he is and what he came to bring. You'll see it up on the screens here, John 10, 10. Jesus says, I came so that they could have life. Indeed, so that they could have life to the fullest. Life to the fullest. That sounds great, doesn't it? Who wouldn't want that? To have life, to have full and abundant life, it should not just be a desire or a goal for us, but as those who profess Jesus Christ, it should be a present reality in our lives today. Pastor David Luce, he says it this way, Jesus comes to give not just life, but life in abundance. Not just survival, but flourishing. Not just getting by, but thriving. Not just existence, but joy. In Christ, we receive the greatest and most perfect gift of love. A love that transforms our lives and transforms our world. A love that we accept and then share with others. The problem comes, however, when we believe that life at its fullest must lurk, look a certain way or must be within certain parameters or expectations. For the princesses of the Disney tales, this perfect, abundant life comes by marrying Prince Charming and moving into the castle with as many ball gowns and painfully tall high heels that you could ever ask for. In all those romantic comedies, we love the stories not much different, right? Boy and girl meet, they fall in love, something happens and they get separated. But lo and behold, they find their way back and ride off in the sunset together. For those of you who may be Bachelor fans, right, happily ever after comes when that final rose is given. And that beautiful, intimate moment of a proposal and a declaration of love is filmed for millions of people to observe. Now more realistically, for us in our lives, we often frame this happily ever after around the context of marriage, and even more so being married with children. In our world, and I dare say especially in the church, there is often not a lot of space left for those that are living the single life, those that are divorced or those that choose to not have children. And that, my friends, is not just shameful but it seeks to deny this promise of life, of full and abundant life to all individuals. Christ came for us to have a full life, to live life to its fullest, whatever that may mean for each and every one of us. Married or single, dating or maybe just laying low, kids or no kids. We are all invited into this abundant, full life. A life where love is given and where love 
is received. This full life that Christ brings comes to us in all relationships when we are seen and when we are known. When we are appreciated and when we are valued. When we are given pleasure and when we are given care. Now can this happen within a married relationship? I hope so, yeah. But it is not limited to just married people. It's something that we have to embody in all of our relationships. And let me also make clear that this full, abundant life is not a guarantee when you find that perfect relationship or when you get married. It's not like you say the vows, you put on the ring, and poof, abundant life, ready and waiting for you. We continue to work in our marriages to help, to encourage, to build one another up. We get into trouble when we start to equate marriage with the promised land of relationships. And so no matter what kind of relationship we find ourselves in, every day must involve a conscious and intentional effort to give love And then to receive the love that is given to us. Now before we even begin to see this kind of love in our human relationships, we understand that this kind of loving, abundant life, what it looks like and what it feels like in our relationship with God. God who sees us and knows us intimately, good, bad, and ugly. And yet God loves us still. God who appreciates us and values us. God who calls us precious in God's eyes. God who cares for us, who has plans for us. Plans for good and not evil. Plans for peace and not destruction. Plans for a future filled with hope. We can embrace this love, and then begin to live our happily ever after. And as we embrace this love of God, we then in turn allow this love to go out through us and from us. We learn what true love is from God and then embody that love in the rest of our relationships. So as you think about what it means to to live life abundant, to have this full life, I want to know how you're experiencing that kind of life today. So pull out your devices, your phone, your tablet, whatever you may have for our next poll. You'll answer this question. How do you see abundant life lived out today? With whom do you experience abundant life? Is it with a spouse or significant other? With a best friend? With your parents? With your children? With your siblings or in your work relationships? I recognize there may be more than one answer to this. 
but pick your top one. With whom do you experience abundant life? All right, we've got some pretty good ones. They're stretched all I'm glad to see we've got answers in every category. For the most part, it comes through our spouse or significant other. It's our children coming in second. So as you think about the way that you answered this question or all the different ways you could have answered this question, think about those relationships. How do you continue to pour yourself into those relationships? How can you focus on them? What can you do in these relationships to make life even more abundant, more full? How might you grow in these relationships and focus on them? And so we know that Christ comes so that we may have life and life to the fullest. And with this truth before us, I want to turn back to the scriptures to learn more about these characteristics of love in a full and abundant life. And to do that, we're going to look to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's a familiar passage for many of us. It's quite popular at wedding ceremonies. And although it is true that this describes the love in a married relationship, as we've said, this kind of love is to be found in all of our relationships. So let's read here, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It isn't jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. It doesn't keep a record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice, but it is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things, trusts in all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Now, to achieve this kind of love, it seems like quite a tall order, right? I mean, there's no way anyone could accomplish all of that. But the beauty of this kind of love is that we don't have to figure it out on our own. This kind of love comes first from God who embodies it in the purest and most perfect form. This love from God, it claims us, each and every one of us, pouring out a love that is patient even when we put up the most stubborn of battles. This love is kind even when we respond in anger or pain or hate. This love, it isn't given as a result of anything we have done or anything we could do. But it is freely given with the hope that we will give it back. The hope that we'll give it back but not the requirement. This love, it puts up with us. And I'll speak for myself and maybe my husband. I can be hard to put up with. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. But this love puts up with all things. 
This love gives hope at all times. And this love from God never fails. This is the kind of love that claims us. But it doesn't stop there. This love then moves through us and reaches out from us into all relationships we have. You see, it's not our capacity to love that makes this possible. But it is God's ability and God's desire to love through us. It's not up to us. But we must let God work and love through us. So as you think about and consider these characteristics of love, are there some that are easier for you? Are there some that prove to be more of a challenge? Let's find out, shall we? Get those phones back up. And I want you to first answer which characteristic of love that we see in 1 Corinthians is the easiest to embody. Patience, kindness, not being jealous, not being irritable, or being able to put up with all things. What do you find the easiest to embody? All right. Oh, all right, Eric, I think we need a sermon series on patience. All right. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to go outside of the two of us. <laughs> Kindness and not being jealous. I have to say, of all of them, I'm glad we are a kind people. We'll take that. I think our world needs a little more kindness. So maybe if we find that the easiest to embody, let's go out and do it. Let's be kind to everyone we meet. Embrace that and live it out. All right, so now the flip side. Which one do you find most challenging? I think we can probably guess based on the last one. Which element do you find most challenging? There it is. I see it. <laughs> Patience, way up there. Good. Not being irritable. I think I got to work on that one. No comment over there. Being able to put up with all things. All right, so we've named it, right? We've named it. We've named how we most easily love, and we've named how it is the hardest for us to love. So let's do something about it, right? Let's make that conscious and intentional effort to be patient in our relationships. That as we love, as we give love, recognize that we might have to wait a little bit in order to get that love in return. Now I want to pause here just for a moment to say something about that last answer, right? About putting up with all things. Putting up with all things does not include putting up with abuse whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual. 
Putting up with all things in love means that we put up with a lot of things, but nothing that brings harm and pain to another child of God. So if you, if you are experiencing this kind of hurt and pain in one of your relationships, I pray that you will reach out to someone you trust. You can reach out to me. You can reach out to Eric. Because that is not the full and abundant life that God intends for you to live. So don't let this verse be used against you in love. Let it be a way that love becomes fuller, more enjoyable, more pleasurable. That brings light into this world and not darkness. That brings hope into this world. That brings peace into this world. And not interpreted in a way that brings anything else but life in its fullest. Amen. <clears throat> so all of us, as we seek to live into this full and abundant life, let's start to redefine what it means to live happily ever after. Instead of princess or princesses, instead of bachelor and bachelorette romances, how about God and children of God? How about Jesus and his beloved? And then as we embrace this new understanding, this new definition, let's expand this love as married couples and dating couples, as friends and coworkers, as parents and children, as brothers and sisters, as neighbor and as stranger. That instead of trying to fit some artificial mold, some worldly sense of who we're supposed to be or what kind of relationships we're supposed to have, let's embrace Christ who is life and life abundant. Let's embrace a love where we are seen and we are known and we are valued and we are appreciated, and we give that back. That we are kind, that we are patient. That our love, just as the love from God, will never fail. And that is our holy and divine, happily ever after. Will you pray with me? Oh God of love, you have shown us what it is to truly love. You have poured out your love for us as we have seen it lived out as Christ on that cross. Redeeming love for each and every one of us. Help us to embrace that love, to receive your love 
and then open up our hearts so that that love may move through us so that each and every person we encounter, each and every relationship we seek to have will be defined by that love, that good, true, perfect love that is kind and patient, that puts up with all things that are good for your children. that seeks after justice and mercy and that never fails. May we be a people of love. And as that old hymn say, they will know we are Christians by our love. Our love 